I, I wound up having, uh, sustaining a really serious um, near fatal accident where I almost completely severed my spine. I was paralyzed from the neck down. I had less than a 2% chance of recovery. And when the injury happened, um, I left my body at an out-of-body experience. And the experience was the exact same dream that I had some weeks before that I was on a subconscious and unconscious level trying to actually not uh, be engaging in this competition. And, and really what happened was through this process, um, I, it really changed my whole psycho-spiritual as well as really my neurological framework and how I exist and how I relate to my body and how I relate to my uh, interpretation of consciousness. Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip On This is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Trip On This. Are y'all ready to talk about 5-MeO-DMT? because that is what this episode is dedicated to. I am with two incredible women, Victoria Wushner and Colette Condorcita, who have dedicated their lives to 5-MeO-DMT. They are both retreat leaders. They have both been working with this medicine for years and have also created systems around harm reduction, including Victoria creating Five, which is the first online centralized resource resource for all things 5-MeO-DMT. Both of them have dedicated their lives to harm reduction, particularly around this molecule, and how important it is to have the proper container, to have the proper care when you are working with something as powerful as 5-MeO-DMT. I mean, the, the, the name for it is the God molecule. So obviously, when you're working with something that can give you, blast you into a transcendent experience, proper care needs to take place. And that's what we talk about on this episode. Not only do they both go into their incredible healing journeys on their own about how, how this medicine has impacted their lives, but also how they are working with this medicine to bring it forward in the safest way possible. And we get into, we get real on this episode and we talk about when proper care isn't taking place, that it can actually have a very negative effect. That's not to scare anyone, but to come at this with a sense of reverence and respect that it needs. This is a really important episode. I'm so excited to present it to everyone because truthfully, I don't know a lot about 5-MeO. And so I found this to be so incredibly helpful for me to really help me understand like what this molecule is all about, you know, having only done it once. I'm a novice in this area. So it was great to really hear from their perspective about why it matters and why safety matters. Few things before we get into the episode. If you're not following me on socials, why not try it now? <laughs> why not give it a follow and support me online? I create lots of videos and share content. So that is one way to stay in touch. And of course, if you are enjoying this podcast and you want to help support your girl, please share it out. Send it to your friends, your family, anyone who you think might be interested in this. I just, I don't know about you guys, but psychedelics are the future. And the more people that continue to hear about what these powerful medicines and molecules can do, the more public perception changes, right? The more that there's a shift around it in the collective 
And when there's a shift around the collective, when more people want it, it becomes available to more people. So with that, please enjoy this next episode with Victoria and Colette. Psych. Sorry, guys. One quick note. We were filming from different countries and different cities. And with the three of us on, unfortunately, there is a little bit of sound quality stuff going on. So if you hear some pops and you hear some clicks, so sorry about that. Did all I could to doctor it up. But truly, once you get past a few, this episode crushes. It is actually one of my favorite episodes that I have done. And I am so sorry to Victoria and Colette that it is not sound quality perfection right now. But I thank you all for your patience. I really hope you enjoy this episode. And now back over to my girls, Victoria and Colette. Victoria, Colette, thank you both so much for being here. It is such a pleasure to meet you both. Welcome to Trip on This. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I am very excited to have this conversation. Today, everyone listening, we are focusing on 5-MeO-DMT. And this is an area I personally don't know a lot about. So in a lot of ways, I get to be kind of a beginner mind, just asking you as many questions as I could possibly think about, about this powerful, powerful molecule, right? We're hearing so much more about it. And both of you have dedicated your lives, particularly to 5-MeO-DMT. And I would love to understand, first and foremost, the journey, the spiritual journey that led to this place of you wanting to work with the medicine. Victoria, why don't we start with you and then Colette, I'll kick it to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so you know, the peak experience with this medicine is that full religious mystical experience where we are getting to experience ourselves. I always say this is the drop rejoining the ocean. We become that infinite everything. And, you know, in my childhood growing up, I dealt with a lot of, you know, issues around separation, feeling like I didn't belong. And, you know, I think that this is something that we deal with as a species, as humans, you know, we all suffer from our stories of separation and, you know, our stories, our stories of unworthiness really leading us into that separation where we start to see ourselves separate from, you know, our communities, separate from the world, separate from nature, and really down to the, to the bone of everything is separate from our divine being. And, you know, in my teens, really dealt with this a lot. I went into some really deep depression. I was dealing with some, you know, extreme cases of bullying. Um, You know, the the home life wasn't so good. And then also sexual abuse and uh, rape as well. And so, you know, my, my story kind of starts there of, you know, trying to figure out the ways to heal myself rather than filling the holes using different things. Like, you know, people can fill holes with substances, with relationships, the list is really endless here. And, you know, I, I really played my own fair share of filling my own holes, but simultaneously trying to find a path of healing for myself. And so I started working with different medicines. I started really young. I started, you know, probably about very early. I know MDMA, I started in my very early teens, but um, ayahuasca around 19 or 20, which really set me on the path of, you know, stepping into this, this path full heartedly. And almost like, I like to say, like my head was on fire and I was searching for water and just kept working with different medicines, working with different coranderos and teachers. And it wasn't really until 5-MeO DMT where I had that full mystical experience where I got to remember my totality and my wholeness that all of these stories that I had that were causing me to feel separate, they were causing me to feel lost within myself. I was able to come back home. Mm-hmm. And I knew that this medicine 
had the opportunity, and I still believe it does, and I will never stop believing this, that it has the opportunity to change the world if we choose to hold it with integrity and, you know, really with, with ethics and safety and, you know, proper containers. And so, yeah, after my first experience, I just kind of immersed myself into the world of 5MEO DMT, started, you know, learning with different teachers, taking many different trainings and learning as much as I possibly could in order to really serve this medicine with, you know, the best intentions possible, because I really feel that this medicine, like I said, it, it can, it can change, it can change everything in the world. And, you know, yeah, I just wanted to learn everything I could. Not only is your story beautiful, but just hearing your, how, how soon ayahuasca came into your path, like that's, this is before, obviously, how, how did it even find you at that age? I mean, now we're hearing about it a lot, but where, where was that moment where it actually just, you knew that you, you were, you were ready for the he- the healing journey at 19? Cause a lot of 19 year olds wouldn't even know where to begin. Yeah, honestly, I don't think I had any idea or any clue what I was in for at all. You know, I signed up for this, this ayahuasca ceremony, and it was seven ceremonies in 12 days for my very first ceremonial experience. That's a lot of ceremonies in a short amount of time for someone who's a complete virgin. So I had no idea what I was in for. And yeah, I think that's why I always kind of say to people of that, like, you know, my head was on fire and I was searching for water. That's how thirsty I was after that experience because I really didn't know what I was in for and everything shifted and changed because my mind was, you know, at 19, our minds are kind of confined and we're just kind of trying to figure out who we are. And after an experience like ayahuasca, like everything is just completely changed. Did you feel that you had a, uh, when you were working with 5MEO now, did you feel like you had some kind of a, an agreement to serve that medicine? Like, was there something where you're just like, this is part of my path? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was really interesting for me, you know, after ayahuasca, I had this knowing that I was going to work with medicines, but I didn't know which medicine it was going to be. I didn't know when it was going to be, and I wasn't attached to what that looked like in any way. And so, you know, as I was, you know, learning with different teachers and trying different medicines, I was just having my heart open to when the medicine did come. And when it came five MEO, my first time, it was, you know, it was, it was the best experience. I still say it was the most important day of my life. It was that homecoming where I finally got to feel what unconditional love was for the very first time. And like far beyond any kind of understanding of what we know the word love to be, because, you know, in the the English trend, in the English language, we only have one word for love. And that's crazy because there's so many different types of love. Other languages have, you know, different word for love for, you know, I don't know, like 10 different words for love because we don't love our mom the same as our sister, the same as our friend and our lover. And this transcendental love that we experience is not anything that we can put word to. There is no right language for this. Um, And so I got to experience that. And I knew within that, that this is the experience that can shift and transform people's lives. And I really wanted to dedicate my life to it. Wow. Wow. So beautiful. Colette, what about you? I'm trying to think about how to summarize the journey. Um, so, you know, when I was, uh, when I was, you know, I grew up as a competitive athlete my whole childhood. Um, and really, you know, as, as I think a lot of us can, can resonate with stories of having, um, you know, I have a very supportive family structure. My parents are amazing, but um, I had a very mentally ill older sister who actually recently passed this year. And, you know, living with the dynamics in our house, there was a high level of stress in our house. So for me, athleticism, moving my body, all of that was incredibly important to me and a big, it's just 
always a huge part of who I am. And so I grew up competitively swimming, dancing, um, and then middle school, high school, I was actually a competitive Greco-Roman style wrestler on a mostly boys, boys team. Wow. Did you kick their ass? I'm just kidding. But did you? What's that? I said, did you kick their ass? Yeah. And sometimes I got, (laughs) um, you know, uh, you know, know, now uh, female wrestling is actually an Olympic sport. However, at the time there was no female leagues. We would compete, you know, I competed on an all boys team. And, um, you know, what happened was that in ninth grade, I actually had a dream that I was going to break my neck in a competition. And I had this very elaborate dream and how this was going to happen. And then I actually, um, you know, had a, a competition. I actually tried to get out of competing that day and just really through, there's really like, you know, pressure from my coaches. And um, I, I wound up having, uh, sustaining a really serious um, near fatal accident where I almost completely severed my spine. I was paralyzed from the neck down. I had less than a 2% chance of recovery. And when the injury happened, um, I left my body at an out-of-body experience. And the experience was the exact same dream that I had some weeks before that I was on a subconscious and unconscious level trying to actually not uh, be engaging in this competition. And, and really what happened was through this process, um, I, it really changed my whole psycho spir- psycho-spiritual as well as really my neurological framework and how I exist and how I relate to my body and how I relate to my uh, interpretation of consciousness. And so what I like to express is that I, I really have like a psychedelic psycho-spiritual framework that I think is kind of always, you know, there for all of us. And so, you know, there's all of these different practices and ways that people can engage with this, this spaciousness, right? You know, we can yeah. use entheogenic tools, we can use psychedelics, we can engage in breath work, we can have trans, you know, transformational or transcendental experiences. And so, you know, really it's, it's, let's say like that spidey sense and that, and that sort of connectivity from that process um, really came online for me after that injury. And, um, and so, you know, what proceeded to happen was, you know, uh, and it's something that I'm, I'm really doing a lot of reflecting right now as I'm wanting to write a book about this experience and just my life in general. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but, you know, there was, you know, this, this sort of aspect of me not having, um, you know, having less than a 2% chance of ever moving below my site of injury, I broke my C4, C5. um, And my parents knew this, however, they did not tell me this information. And so what happened was, when I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital for four or five months um, after my injury, I would go into these very deep states of, um, of really self-hypnosis and really like reconnecting my, my neurological pathways in my body. Um, that was a huge part of how I healed myself. Uh, a la Joe Dispenza, what Joe Dispenza talks about. Yeah, intuitively. However, I'm certain intuitive. that my injury was 10 times worse than whatever Joe Dispenza went through. Yeah. But, was know. that an intuitive <laughs> process? Was that intuitive? I'm so sorry. I, I, I actually want to like remember in real time, like, is that intuitive? Like to, to start connecting your neural pathways, again, both of you so young to know how to just so intuitively heal, which there's all that says something on its own, right? Like that in and of itself, how powerful we are. But how did you even, was there just, were you guided to that place? Were you really just having spent so much time alone and just, I can't even imagine what was going through your, your mind. Yeah, that's a good question. Something that I've been hypothesizing about is that my father, who is actually quite intuitive and, and really quite psychic in a lot of ways, and is not a bullshitter. You know, I remember when I was on a ventilator after it happened, and I was really like through the ventilator asking my family, like, well, asking my father, like, hey, you know, I, I can't live like this. I'm an athlete. I've always, you know, moved my butt, you know, like, I can't live paralyzed in a wheelchair. Like, 
take me off the vent, basically. And my dad looked me right in the eye and said, I know for a fact that you're going to be walking, if not running in a year. And there's something for me that I've been reflecting about on a psychological level was, did that inspiration encourage me on a subconscious and unconscious level to start organizing how, what I needed to do to be able to, to start actively working towards a path of healing and, heal, and healing and resolving mm. that injury? Or was it just, or was it prophetic or was it, you know, et cetera. Yeah. However, however, it was something that what I started to do would be in sort of these like deep states of self-hypnosis would be sort of like energetically connecting with how okay, what's it like when I squeeze my right butt cheek? Okay, what are the different nerves and other muscles involved? What is the actual neuro, like neurological connection that's like being elicited through? You know, at the time I didn't understand neurotransmitters, right? But as I do yeah. now, but like, what is the actual functionality on a neurological level? What are all the different things that are connected to that? And then like within a week, I could squeeze my, squeeze my right butt cheek. So this is like what I started like Whoa. systematically doing. Okay, so and you were doing, that was already for you to squeeze your right butt cheek was already beyond what they said you would probably be able to do, right? You were probably- Yeah, I mean, they told down, me literally so. I was never gonna like, well, no, they didn't tell me. Again, it was like- Oh, right, right, knew, thank like, God. But, but basically like we're talking no movement, no function, no sensation below my C4, C5. Oh. That's how it looked. Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, to me, like listening to oh. that about your dad, it just sounds like- all of the above potentially, you know, like to me, this is how we heal one another. We're all angels for each other. Right. Like that's right. And you know, for me, through with with all of us. Totally. And you know, so something for me that really opened up in this whole experience through my family, through, you know, like this deep process of healing, um, there's certain aspects from that injury that I still haven't healed. You know, for example, I still walk with a limp. Um, you know, I have other neurological stuff that I navigate, uh, quite honestly, but um, yeah, like compare, I mean, it's like, it's literally like a miracle. Hey, and so, it is definitely a miracle. So what, <laughs> so what happened with this, what happened with this process um, was that it opened up a lot of really interesting, deeper sensations and, and awareness around basically family structures, you know, family structures that we're born into, why energetically we're born into our family systems, you know, really the path of movement and transformation that's happening on like, a quantum level of, of, of energy, essentially, and how we're moving through time and space in a physical level, in a non-physical level, um, you know, a lot of really deep study and awareness in this. And, you know, so this is kind of what I mean around having these accessibilities around using psychedelic tools and also not using psychedelic tools, but having accessibility in our own mind in how to be able to work in the psychedelic space. And this is for me, you know, as someone who's a coach and as a facilitator, um, you know, I started working with psychedelic tools. Um, you know, we're talking like 16, 17, started working with psychedelic fungi and became really, really obsessed with studying nature. You know, really like studying the functionality of regenerative agriculture, of permaculture. Um, you know, of, I went to, I did my undergrad in international development. and was really fascinated about how these things are working in the, on, you know, developing on, in developing countries, like the, the power structures between the global North and the developing world and really went out into the developing world after um, I broke my neck and, and went through school and graduated. I, I was living in Southeast Asia for some years working in regenerative agriculture. And then it eventually led me to Central and South America working regenerative agriculture and um, you know, having really like a series of family tragedies. Um, my younger sister was, was killed by her boyfriend uh, 11 years ago. And um, I found myself in Costa Rica working, uh, working at a, a permaculture center there. And a woman who, um, who was uh, 
who was there at the time, who is a, a very famous herbalist and runs a very, a very big company now um, that I won't name because I don't know if she wants me to name this, this story or name her specifically. But, you know, um, I really am like an amazing curandera who runs a beautiful, uh, large herbal business and is an incredible healer and um, very close with her and her family. She, she was like, hey, like, why don't like, you come to some ayahuasca ceremonies with me? And it's similar to Victoria, where it's like, I had no idea what ayahuasca was. Like, even though I was like out in the world, like, and this was like 11 years ago. Yeah. So it was like, you know, like you say, I, I mean, like everybody knows what ayahuasca is right now. However, yeah. like even 11 years ago, like, I mean, me who was really on the world, very much studying plants. And that was really just me when I was starting to enter into being in Latin America. I had no idea what it was. Totally. And I really had no idea what was, you know, I was like, there's not even, like, was there information on it really? <laughs> even like in like online, like there's so much out there. That's why like both of you just, that's, it was way before the time where people really knew what was up. Yeah, it's just, it's just so funny. Cause like we went to these ceremonies and I remember, uh, you know, the Corandero who was like a, he was a Quechua man, a Peruvian man. And uh, basically it was like one announcement. Hey, anyone here taking uh, antidepressants? Everyone's like, no. Like, okay, cool. We're good to go. Like, you know, like, no. Buckle up. <laughs> there was no interviews. There was no like, who are you? What's your story? Wow. And, you know, wow. so it's like all of those types of things that like, hopefully now people are understanding. And this is something that's been so great about working with Victoria and, and Tandava um, and, and how, you know, uh, how things are working um, at their retreat centers that we know now, especially people who are working outside of the cultures with really powerful entheogenic substances and don't, and don't live full time in, in the cultural context of how these tools work, that um, there is a, a really specific need of going through all the checks and balances. So however, mm -hmm. so none of that happened. Um, <laughs> and we did have like, oh, you know, and it was really beautiful in this ceremony was that when I, when I drank, Basically, it was like um, how I could describe it was like all my ancestors were literally crawling over each other to be like, oh, my God, you're back in the space. What's up? Like, oh, here's some cool. cool messages for so and so. Like, I passed over and if you could give them this information and like did that on the, you know, after when I came out of the ceremony, like very powerful information that I was giving to different people. And so it was like it was basically like homecoming with my ancestors and like a deeper connection of really just the different like psycho spiritual processes that I've been through being embodied and having as I spoke to this, this sort of interesting sort of um aspect of, of a multi-dimensional psycho-spiritual framework that I have and since then you know it's been um really like a lot of time a lot of time studying in the jungles of the Amazon uh, I have a very deep uh uh connection with um my Ahe community that is based in um, Putomayo in the in the Colombian Amazon I've been studying them going on seven on seven years um I first started working with 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 Bufo with 5MU DMT um seven years ago honestly similar story that I mean like I was dating someone at the time and we were in a really toxic relationship, to be honest. <laughs> and, uh, and I had just had an abortion mm -hmm. and, um, and uh, you know, with this person and similar story where he was like, Hey, I had this experience and you should really have this experience. And similar story, honestly, with a facilitator too, who like at the time I was taking an anti-anxiety medicine, um, you know, and uh, didn't screen me didn't I, I had no idea what the tool was that I was working with I asked her like hey is it okay if I'm taking this drug oh yeah you're fine no worries all good wow. and it's like wait what's the name of this tool oh, oh don't worry about it. you know I was like and the god, it's funny the god molecule like, or whatever right and it's mild and again also too it's like really informative how like these different experiences that sometimes we have that are maybe not like the best caretaking how it really yeah. does inform how it actually like okay how actually really facilitation needs to be working in a certain yeah. way and how 
et cetera, the different steps of the process. So not to speak, I mean, I know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm speaking maybe perhaps too long, but basically this, this first experience for me with 5MEO was a really interesting experience around sort of, as I, as I perhaps spoke to around sort of the actual tangible physical reality, the, like the actual, like, you know, how we are connected through our ancestors, how we're connected through different aspects of sort of the, the beneficial things that we inherit and receive from our ancestors as well as our own experiential aspects of life, mm -hmm. as well as the more difficult, the more challenging, the more traumatic mm -hmm. aspects of who we are and where we come from and how we are simultaneously living these things out together in a connectivity and an aspect of, of who we are connected to on an ancestral level mm -hmm. and also how we are directing ourselves on, a, on an individual level as well as like if we decide to procreate and have children. And so this sort of like interconnected aspect of consciousness and from this experience, it was really deeply connected with this aspect of a feminine wound that I was carrying from this, this sort of, from just a direct relationship of what I was in at that time with this person and this trauma of, of deciding to have an abortion, which is never an easy decision for any woman to yeah, do yeah. and was incredibly difficult and challenging for me, but was also the right decision at the time. Yeah. And, um, and also having this connection to like, the different trauma that I was carrying from the female lineage in my family. And also like this aspect of direct female lineage, as well as like quantum lineage that I'm connected to. And what happened was from that sort of aspect of that connectivity, it also went into basically the aspect of the beyondness of that, mm -hmm. of that aspect that we are connected to as women mm -hmm. and sort of that aspect of like that oneness that Victoria was speaking to of that oneness of creation and existence yep. that we are all part of. Yeah. And, um, and so this is something that's very interesting to me about working with this tool in particular with 5MEO is that it has that capability of having that complete connectivity of different experiential aspects of our own, of our own experience in life, yeah. of our own psychological, um, you know, aspects that we carry, as well as the aspects that are beyond that and are beyond the conscious mind or beyond the actual aspects of our ego yeah. and how they are directly interconnected and they are divinely part of how nature has organized itself. So, so beautifully said. Oh my God, your story. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so thrilled to have you walking again. And I'm sorry your experiences with plant medicine were thrown in, but glad it worked. Obviously it worked <laughs> out to the point where you're like, this is great, but let me actually hold care around it. Let me not do what was done to me, essentially, when it comes to ayahuasca or DMT. Um, my question for both of you, maybe Victoria, we'll start with you, is I'm hearing you both talk from a very macro oneness homecoming with the universe. How has these big experiences, when you are granted the gift to actually see this. How do you then bring that back into your, how did you start moving through life differently from that point on? How does your choice in life start to change now? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, to answer that question, I think it's important to kind of dive into the experience itself to understand how that experience can affect the actual you know, moving through the regular human experience. And so I can kind of speak to my first experience with this medicine and then kind of share how it transformed me afterwards. 
And my first experience with this medicine, you know, it was uh, it was really interesting. I felt a lot of excitement around the experience. You know, I'd heard big, big stories around it. I'd heard challenges. I'd heard bliss. I'd heard everything. And so I didn't really know what I was going to expect, kind of similar to that ayahuasca. But I was going for it. I was super ready. And I remember I remember when the facilitator walked up to me to, you know, light the pipe and he asked me if I was ready. I remember saying, I guess so. All this like fear started to come up. And, you know, now in the work, we call this the pre-flight anxiety. It's a completely natural and normal part of the experience. And in my opinion, it is part of the initiation of this experience to be able to channel our inner hero, to channel that inner courage, even though the fear is so great because the mind, the ego has absolutely no idea what's on the other side of this experience and it can't. So I was experiencing that and I went right for it anyway, through all the fear. And, you know, it was really interesting. I seen everything go offline. Suddenly I had no body. I had no thoughts. I couldn't smell. I couldn't see. It was just this void. I call it the infinite hollow void or the womb of the mother. And, you know, when I was in that space, there was no bounds. It was boundless. It was infinite. But there was so much love in that space, so much unconditional love, an unconditional love that I'd never experienced ever before from anybody, from any partners, from my parents, from my friends, ever. And like I say, it's this homecoming. And it's not anything you can ever forget. It's with you forever. It changes you on a cellular level. It changes you in your soul. And so I want to explain that story because, you know, when we get back into the body, we don't forget that feeling of oneness. It stays with us. It's reverberating from our core, from the inside out, affecting us in ways we can't even imagine. And particularly when we integrate these experiences that are, you know, reverberating, it strengthens that connection. So I always like to say that there is this divine being that's always been within us and we've always had access to it, but we are a human species suffering from amnesia. And then amnesia, that made us forget our wholeness. In this experience, we remember again. So when you remember and you start to cultivate that relationship with it, you know, via different practices, you know, it's unique to everybody. It could be through breath work, meditation. For me, it was prayer and altar prayer practice like that. And just really getting to um, to talk to it. it, that channel opens up within you and it starts to widen and expand. And suddenly, you know, for myself in this experience, suddenly I was able to perceive the world in a different way. You know, that divine being was so large within me that I wasn't like it was large outside. You know, what was happening on the internal was reflecting on the external. And suddenly I was able to perceive, you know, synchronicities, whispers and messages from the universe. And on a greater kind of level, this unconditional love that I experienced within the medicine, suddenly I could experience it outside of the medicine. When we understand that we are love at our essence, suddenly we can see that within other beings. We recognize other beings as ourselves, you know, plants, animals. We are no longer separate from the natural world. We are a part of it and everything is one. So it shifts and transforms for myself, you know, anyway, (laughs) it shifts and transforms the way that we show up. It shifts and transforms the way we see ourselves in the mirror. It shifts the way that we treat each other, the way that we're there for our community. And, you know, we can go as deep into this as we like. And yeah, it all really boils down to that divine connection. And for me, right after that experience, that prayer really 
busted that wide open within me to the point where yeah things things super wild guys there was a a pretty big non-abiding awakening experience that I had for about two and a half months afterwards where I didn't know if I was going to come back to this regular like waking human experience um but I did (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah that's a little bit about that (laughs) wow do you still feel that your do you still feel that your human gets challenged you know, after still an experience like that, right? Like a peak oh, yeah. enlightened state. How are how are you finding that you're like, okay, I I know this person that's challenged me is part of the oneness. It's me, it's a reflection, but like I'm struggling right now. Like, are you is there still this like <laughs> constant uh n- like you know, but the human is still like, and I'm still I'm <laughs> still trying to find patience. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, 100%. And this is something that we always teach to people too, is like, you know, this, this experience of oneness isn't just this magic pill that's gonna, you know, we're enlightened now, and we're just the Buddha walking around. It allows us to have uh, an observer role in our lives that's different. So, you know, regularly, there's this monkey mind that's happening where we can't really apprehend like a lot of things that are going on. There's so many thoughts, there's so many feelings and emotions and triggers all happening at once. And a lot of the time we don't have the awareness to pick up when these things are coming up. But after this experience, when we are able to be in that stillness in that divine being. And when we come back, there's this heightened heightened awareness to see our triggers and really feel them coming up in real time and mm-hmm. being able to choose to look into those triggers, pulling them, you know, I always say this, this is a, a really good analogy of, you know, if our, our mind is a garden and there's weeds in there, you know, our triggers and our stories that cause yeah. us suffering, we want to be able to investigate where they're coming from and not just pull at the top of the, the weed because it's going to grow back. We want to get all the way down to the root and then pull it out. And, you know, in this heightened awareness state, we're able to do that. And so, no, yeah, this medicine doesn't fix us. It doesn't cure us. It's a tool for us to be able to witness our internal worlds. And then in the integration phase, which is very important, then we can start using what we're learning that's coming up and shifting it to a uh, a path that we're more happy with. Yeah. Thank beautifully, beautifully said. Colette, do you have anything to add to how some of these big macro experiences have impacted your day-to-day? Yeah. I mean, uh, just, I think just a summary, and I really resonate with, with, you know, everything. I love how Victoria talks about this tool and uh, in her experience in general, you know, it's so great to hear all that. Um, I, I think it really shifts, you know, again, like having these transpersonal experiences in a really direct and intimate way, whatever it is. And this is really the biggest way to, to do it is this tool. Um, you know, I, I could just summarize in saying that it really changes uh, your perspective on timelines mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on timelines of, of you know your 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 personal physical existence in, in this body and and sort of timelines in nature that that we're working on you know it's like my 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 partner his 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 sister is an astrophysicist at Hopkins and his father is a chemist you know who worked at the F, you know family's Argentinian father's a chemist his mom's a psychologist and you should see the dinner table conversations that we have around <laughs> really like essentially the nature of existence wow. and, and time and our Making time and space sort of <laughs> our time and space sort of framework as as humans that are like you know it's like oh man if we don't see something happen in a week or a month or a year especially as as Americans like yeah. like oh man like this 
what's happening here like it needs to happen now you know and so it's like I think for me you know this this tool is such an interesting way to understand those aspects of what we can change in the immediate nowness Mm -hmm. and also that we are also operating on these times that are these timelines that are infinite yeah and that you know we have all the infinite time and space to to be in process and I think that that's something too that I oftentimes share with with clients that was a, a big lesson for me in my own healing journey and also really studying with um with traditional curanderos around this concept of like you know it's like people in the north were like we want it right now uh right. if it doesn't happen right now when you know like that's not okay it's like but it's like this like the the aspect of when we're looking at healing when we're looking at change when we're looking at transformation we can also we can do things right now and then there might be certain things that we don't have that don't happen right now right and may not happen in this life yeah <laughs> Right. And that's okay too. And to be okay with that and to be okay in that aspect and that study of, of the d- d- divinity of existence yeah. and, and how, you know, I talk about God, not in this construct of like, you know, a white guy who's got oh, the yeah, control yeah. board and moving everything, but this, you know, the, the aspect of God in nature, how there is an, a consciousness in how nature has organized itself. Yes. And, and so that's how I refer to God, yeah, but same. how, you know, how God has constructed all of this yeah. and, and that there is, a, there is, there is that aspect and that flow of how that works. And so yeah. for me, you know, this is really the most powerful tool that we have accessibility to that can start to open up that awareness. And that really fundamentally changes, you know, how people are relating to others Uh, and how people are relating to their own reality and how they're showing up for how, you know, their actions impact not only themselves and others, you know, so it's like having sort of that tendril of, of connection and responsibility um, in the immediate nowness and also sort of this infiniteness that we're all a part of. Oh, beautiful. I mean, psychedelics and just in general, just are such a gift from the divine for like just placed for our remembering you're saying for our amnesia i mean it's you know there's studies right now speaking of hopkins that they've done that people that are having mystical experiences are healing the most you know like it's just and whatever whatever people want to say to that there is something about the understanding of like oh i'm not separate i'm there is there is a grand order to all of this, to my life, to everything that I'm doing, to every hardship that might have happened is leading me to this. Like it's just when we can settle into the fact that there's no accident out here, it it, it can bring a sense of ease. Although that mm. is certainly the journey still for me as like, you know, I've had some of these peak enlightened states as well and still um it's still like the every day it's still showing up and choosing love and to let go and to not hold what we want with such a vice grip, but to have a, to allow ourselves to kind of like have a direction, but then flow like, because we're not really taught it. But the, the great news is that they're with conversations like this, with, with more people doing psychedelics, more people are having these kind of epiphanies. And that's what is exciting. That's why I do think it is going to quite literally change the world. I know people are like, don't get too ahead of yourself. And I'm like, look, <clears throat> I just know from, I'm, I'm like, okay, like I might be wrong. We might be wrong. But I was like, but there's, there's nothing I can see that like, this is not to me just neurological. Like when you're getting to see the full picture and that whether people think that full picture is real or not, let's put that in quotes it's about unity. It's about oneness. So like, what, what, what's your beef with that? You know, like, 
Anyway, I'm getting off. Um, so <laughs> let me let me bring it down to some now specifics. You both have really done such a beautiful job of really showing your stories. Uh, what are some of the differences between 5-MeO-DMT and Bufo? Are they are they different? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who wants to take this one? Do you want to take hey, this one, Chloe? Hey, Victoria, start it off. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, 5-MeO-DMT comes in two different forms. And, you know, we can get it either through the Bufo alivarius secretion or we can get it through you know, we call it the pure molecule, we call it Jaguar, we call it synthetic. There's so many different names for it, but that one is synthesized within a laboratory. And so there's 5-MeO-DMT in both. However, they're a little bit different. The differences are that the bufalivarius secretion has anywhere from 10 to 29% 5-MeO-DMT, which is a large margin for error. And so there's, you know, there's about 12 other tryptamines and alkaloids within that medicine, some of which are cardiotoxic. And so you know, myself in particular, uh, I really like to work with the pure molecule for, you know, many different reasons. One of them being that, you know, if, for example, you are serving a participant who's elderly and they have a underlying heart condition, you want to make sure that they are safe. They're not going to be having a heart attack during the, during the ceremony. Also, dosage specificity is very important here. 5-MeO-DMT, you know, with a, a margin of 10 to 29% 5-MeO-DMT, that is huge. Like we don't actually know when we're giving someone Bufo how much 5-MeO-DMT we're giving them. And that could send them way over the edge if we're trying to, you know, work on specific intentions and do things like that. And also could potentially put them into a whiteout into serious reactivations and things like that. And then also there's the conservational bit here as well. So, you know, the toads are facing a lot of danger right now. And it's because 5-MeO-DMT has risen in popularity from this big, beautiful experience. And so more people are wanting to experience it. And, you know, there's not a lot of education out there that there's another thing that we can use that is, in my opinion, the same experience. I've worked with both extensively. They're both the same experience. And, you know, the only tiny little difference I could possibly feel is that the body load lasts a tiny bit longer on the very secretion. But if we don't need to harm toads, um, you know, why, why do we? You yeah, know, yeah, they're, yeah. Being, they're being decimated. People are going, going into their homes and, you know, taking them out of their homes, bringing them to, you know, cities and putting them in small little aquariums and milking them whenever they feel like it. People are going into the desert and milking way too much, leaving them defenseless. Mm. Um, there's this fungus that humans have introduced into the, the community of toads as well called chytrid fungus, which actually came from the hands of humans. And it's now spreading among the population. And honestly, there's so many different things that they're facing mm. due to this rise in popularity. And I think that it's really important for us as facilitators to really feel into ourselves of, you know, why not make the switch over to the pure molecule? Wow. I'm so, I'm, and it sounds like, and you're saying really for your vantage point, not a lot of difference in the experience itself. No, no. And you know, what's actually really interesting is I started working with the secretion first, I think like most of us do. And I had this same kind of mentality. I think that a lot of facilitators do of natural being better, you know, it's organic. So mm -hmm. of course it has to be better and started to, you know, work with different facilitators and had them saying, you know, we've switched over and, you know, picking their brain. Well, why did you switch over? Um, and they're like, it's the same experience. I'm like, sure. Like I will, uh, I'll understand it when I experience it myself. Yeah. I didn't really think that it would be the same. And I worked extensively with both and it is the same in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, look, LSD is a incredible experience. So is MDMA. 
man-made, but like it's all, uh, I had uh, the uh, folks from this. from God. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all earth medicine. <laughs> yeah. It's all earth medicine. Like this was all, all this was all things that we created where it's all gifts. Yeah. From the divine, whether it's grown or we have the, the ingredients to create, we have created some pretty incredible things when it comes to psychedelics or yeah, psychedelic experiences and these types of things. Is yeah. how how does it change five um, meo to, I guess the plant derived version of DMT that we hear about. You know, we think of like think of like Terence McKenna's experience with DMT. He's talking about machine elves and things like this, right? Very fractal experiences. From what I understand, that's not the five meo experience. These are two very different types of DMT experiences. <clears throat> Can you guys speak to that, Colette, Victoria? Yeah, I mean. Uh... So, you know, what's really interesting just as well, that you know, 5-MeO is found in a variety of different plant substances that we know of, and I'm sure lots of other substances that we don't know of yeah. um, in nature, you know, aside from the, the buffalo various toad. I, I, I just to kind of continue this, this concept of, um, you know, like, I, I think that science and shamanism, you know, it's like, there, and, and, and shamanism in and of itself is like, you know, is a form of science. And I was actually talking to a, a Taita, a young Taita that I know uh, last week in Costa Rica, we were, we were eating a traditional plant medicine called Mambe all night, where we have like, you know, long, deep spiritual discussions that are something, it was like 12 hour long discussion. And we were talking about this concept quite a bit. And I was sharing with him about sort of the science and, and, and the, sh the scientific aspects that I know quite a bit about, you know, of what's actually happening on a neurological level, yeah. what's happening on a neurotransmitter level, what's looking at, you know, we're looking at sort of like chemical synthesis of these of these tools and you know their framework around that is completely different and so like I really love having those conversations and those frameworks just kind of talked about because yeah. it's like what you spoke to Kat as well around um just this like okay it, it, there is sort of like okay we can mark this on our nervous system in the human brain that we have these certain responses when we do certain things however okay that is all happening and there is also this other thing that is happening yes. this transpersonal thing that's happening this like beyond you know like yep so anyway just had I, to had, that I had someone on who called that the gap she's a she's a literal psych psychedelic scientist and a psychonaut and she's like enough of the uh there are some psychedelic scientists that are willing to say this is all happening, like you said, and yeah, there's there's this gap that we can't, we don't know why these experiences are happening. We can't speak to it, and we don't know. And I was Wait, like, okay, we, we don't know is a good answer. Great, right? Um, so, so just that point. Okay, so that, I'm sorry. Back to your question. So, you know, the, the DMT experience. You know, again, there's never there's never a one and done experience that happens when anyone takes any psychedelic. I mean, it's like every time is, you know, it's like every time, you know, I work with a curandero and he loves to say that um, every time we drink ayahuasca is like the first time. Like and so there's, <laughs> so there's certain experiences that, you know, like when people smoke DMT, there's this very interesting space that many, many people seem to land in, which is like this, you know which is very interesting in and of itself. Like, why does that happen? I don't have the answer for that. Oh my gosh, However, I think about that all you know, the time though. But, but <laughs> talking about visual, like a visual immersive experience that you can be in when you're working with DMT is a much more common thing than working with 5-MeO. 5-MeO is more so a knowing or a feeling or a, it's like a vibrational feeling of that you're entering into how, that is that is a different form of a psychedelic experience. You could say hallucination. Mm -hmm. You could say, you know, you could use other words there. 
Um, but that, you know, it's, it's dissimilar than having oftentimes sort of the classic DMT experience where you might be having fully immersive visual psychedelic quote unquote psychedelic experiences that are fully immersive where you're in like completely alternate realities Mm -hmm. or interdimensional spaces. It's not to say that that doesn't happen. However, it's more this sort of vibrational frequency that you're entering into or like not into anything where it's like beyond that. Um, But that is the best way that I could potentially describe the difference between sort of a DMT based experience as well as a 5-MeO DMT experience. And this is something that people kind of, I think, get a little lost in where they're like, yeah. wait, is, is 5-MeO the same thing as DMT? Because yes. it says DMT there. However, you know, when you get in chemical levels of, of, uh, of structures of anything, I mean, like humans have like 98% of the same DNA as a rat. You know, so it's like I you make a few molecular <laughs> changes there, <laughs> and big things happen. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, so, yeah. That's a good way of putting so, it. And I yeah. asked that question because because I get that question a lot. I actually had someone I I told them they were going to do bufo, and I said to them, uh, they they thought it was going to be you know like a DMT. I was like, no, I'm I'm pretty sure I hadn't done it yet, but I was like, I just have been you know interested in this path. I have now, but at that point I hadn't, and I was like. I don't, I don't think it's going to be quite what you're expecting. Long story short, it was definitely not. And her, her experience was uh, an interesting one, but like, she was also like, I don't think that perhaps she didn't do the research, but I think a lot of people need to just should know like the types of experiences that you're looking for and they, how much they hold value. Like having a resonance, if you're mm-hmm. looking for healing, having a resonance within your heart, a homecoming, a knowing might be more what your what you need as opposed to a very cool visual experience not to say that they both don't hold value but like sure like somebody might go oh i want to be in a, in a world with visual experience like that might be a cool experience and could could be transcendent in another way or you could come out of it with a whole different it might you might be in the the black womb space of everything and that is actually what you needed because what you needed to know was that you're never alone or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I'd like to speak to this yeah, topic yeah, a please. little bit if possible. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So something that's really funny, actually, we get this question a lot as facilitators. A lot of people think because the word DMT is on 5-MeO DMT, that it's the same thing. And it's really important to make that distinction because it can be deadly and fatal if people make that mistake. You know, DMT is kind of one of those medicines that we can, you know, just kind of hold space for somebody else and make sure they're all good, keep them safe. But 5-MeO DMT, you know, we're hearing so many crazy stories out there of you know, people ordering it online and thinking they can just smoke it themselves or maybe just have somebody who's not experienced holding space. And it's really, really scary. This medicine is completely different. You know, the mind goes completely offline. This is a medicine where our body, when we allow ourselves to surrender into the experience, completely surrenders, completely lets go of all control. And so the experience can look so many different ways in it. It can get intensely dynamic where people can hit their heads. People are vomiting. People have multiple people have um, choked on their own vomit and died from it. Mm. Um, And so I just always like to say that there is a very big difference here with these medicines. And it's very important if people are wanting to work with 5-MeO DMT, please do your research. Please find a facilitator who knows what they're doing. And please choose to just sit with somebody um, rather than, yeah, just doing it ourselves because it can be, it can be really scary. You know, there's one story that I kind of refer back to was this man who 
you know, he heard all the amazing stories online. It's blissful. It's beautiful. I really want to do this. He got it. Um, and then his wife was a nurse. So he assumed that, you know, this is going to be safe. My wife, my wife understands, um, you know, the medical stuff. So I can just allow myself to let go into this experience. However, you know, the most important part of this experience is allowing ourselves to feel safe enough to surrender, which means there's a very important preparation process that needs to happen. We need to feel safe in every capacity. We need to understand as much as we possibly can going into this experience. So just, you know, piping ourselves and having someone holding space. For example, this man, he took his pipe, he laid down, he briefly opened his eyes, saw his wife in terror and freaked out. And he thought, you know, all the feelings of shame, you know, I betrayed my family, you know, I'm not coming back from this, I'm leaving them on my own. And he started to have an extremely challenging experience and tried to get up and walk off the experience. And, you know, there's a very definitive arc with this medicine, we need to allow ourselves to surrender to it to get through that experience. If we don't, it can become extremely challenging. There's a lot of resistance that happens, a lot of control and fighting. Mm -hmm which is exactly what happened for him. And for literally months after this guy was in extreme, extreme discomfort, he had to quit his, he had to quit his job or take a break from his job because he couldn't work. He wasn't sleeping at all. He was having violent reactivations. He thought he was going schizophrenic and he was just like, he was being haunted and he was, you know, literally calling us of like, I need support. I don't know what to do. Should I check myself into a, a mental hospital? And, you know, he wasn't going crazy, but he didn't have the container that he needed. If he would have known what 5-MeO is and what kind of, yeah, container you need for it. And so, yeah, I just wanted to share that story to give the audience, you know, this really thorough understanding of taking this medicine seriously and, you know, being responsible with it. One of my, thank you for sharing that. One of my questions was about what, what cautions can we look out for with something like this? Um, I felt so sad listening to that for him, for her, for just the, and having just come off of a, of a really um, <laughs> big mushroom trip and also ended up being very scary for me, like how, um, how powerful the mind gets when you don't surrender and you think it's going off the, like things aren't going well. And it, and it did throw me for about five days and I was lucky to have some grace and get back there. But it was something even bigger with something like 5-MeO, I think these harm reduction stories are really important to not take it lightly at all, especially I've heard this with ayahuasca too. And people, I was like, y'all, y'all are playing, your mind is so powerful. Like why mess around? And so my question is like, okay, so it sounds like one, can you talk to us? Are there, what are the physical, mental and emotional cautions that you would say around 5-MeO-DMT and how, and how should people navigate that? Is it also, is there anybody who's just, it's not right for? There's a lot of people it's not right for. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, I, I pretty, and this is something too, also the difference I think between certain facilitators, you know, it's like, I, and again, it's like, it's not so much a gatekeeping thing for me. It's a matter of, okay, let's go through the checks of what's going on with your physical state. What prescription drugs do you have? What type of um, other health concerns do you have? What's your blood pressure at? What's your family history, psychologically speaking? Do you have people that, are you, were your parents, direct siblings, schizophrenic, bipolar, et cetera? What's your history of, have you ever been in a hospital? I mean, I could go on, you know, it's really like, to be working with master level 
entheogenic psychedelic tools, really any of them, um, there's always a, a level of surrendering into the unknown of what's going to happen every single time we use them. And so really knowing that we have to know that. And then before kind of just surrendering, we have to think, okay, like what is this actually an appropriate tool for me considering the risk reward benefit? And this is something that, you know, is like in the background with, with lots of decisions, maybe like in, in, a, in an unconscious level, but with working with psychedelics, this is the most importance. I mean, listening to Victoria and Victoria, thank you so much for, for sharing that because it's so true. And it's like, again, kind of back to my first experience with 5-MeO, like this facilitator never told me about reactivations and I had severe reactivations from, and I, it was completely, I had no idea what was going on you know wow. so it's like in and of itself like talking about the difference between you know just functionally how you know dmt works or other i mean you know if i was a very high capacity for having reactivations in the medicine space if somebody doesn't have the awareness that that can happen i mean that could be traumatizing and incredibly difficult and dangerous in and of itself you know so it's like again kind of when we when we're framing these tools you know again going through all the checks and balances the preparation you know, also, you know, sometimes, you know, when I, when I have certain clients who approach me and are wanting to come and do retreats or are wanting to, to get support or, um, you know, really counseling around working with psychedelic tools, I oftentimes ask them, uh, times ask them as, as a question that might not be that, that sort of common. It's like, what is your actual support network that you have in your life right now? Yeah. Like, do you have family and friends? Do you have a therapist? Do you have a coach? Do you have, you know, what is your ability to receive support if need be, if you need it after working with this tool? Because that's a huge part of this as well. Is like, you know, we can kind of play, okay, like it'll might, it might be fine. It could totally be fine. Or it could be, you know, a story like Victoria shared where, you know, these tools can, can really open up a lot of stuff in our subconscious and our unconscious self. And there's no way of predicting what that is. Yeah. And so we also have to make a, enough space and time in our life to be able to, okay, how do I have space and time to integrate the unknown that I'm stepping into? Yeah. Wow. Let's, this might be a nice kind of segue into uh, some of the abuses also that are happening in medicine circles right now. And, uh, you know, Victoria, when you and I had chatted, I remember you talking because 5-MeO doesn't come from this tradition of uh, like it doesn't have a lineage in the same way that like ayahuasca where there's the Icaros and like, you know, there's a, there's a certain way to hold the container. First, can you talk to us? Just you two are much closer to the medicine world than I am. Can you talk about what types of abuses are we seeing right now in these circles, particularly when serving this type of medicine? Yeah, I, I can speak to uh, to one thing, which I think kind of, you know, encompasses a lot of different things. And then I'll pass it off to Colette because I know there's just so much to, to kind of talk about here. And so, you know, one of the main things that I think is an issue with this medicine is, you know, it allows us to have our egos dissolved and have this awareness of oneness. And if we integrate it, it can have beautiful benefits on our lives. Like, you know, like I explained, we can show up differently. We can see the world differently and everything can transform for us. But unfortunately, there's an opposite effect that can happen with this medicine that I don't think is being talked about enough. And, you know, this is when people are sitting with the medicine and they're sitting with it a lot and they're not doing any integration. And I'm 
I'm specifically talking about facilitators here who these facilitators are working with this medicine. You know, I've heard even stories of people 30 times a day. I got a message what? like a, a month ago from a woman saying my facilitators, you know, smoking 30 times a day. They're not integrating the experience and they think they're God. And it's getting really crazy. I can't stay with these people anymore. They're they're starting to they're basically starting a cult. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's actually kind of common with this medicine, because if we are being given these gifts, and these jewels from the divine and we're not integrating it and we're just saying give me more 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 the ego is starting to you know build a resistance against it it's not actually taking what it's learning and doing something with it instead it's doing the opposite it's like this super strain of ego and we call this ego superiority and the facilitators who are holding the medicine their egos are getting bigger and bigger. And the unfortunate thing is because we don't have a spiritual lineage or tradition with this medicine, we don't have any elders slapping our hands and saying, mm. hey, you've fallen into a trap. And, you know, this is a part of the medicine path. I always like to say, like, you know, I'm, I'm not casting judgment on facilitators here because this is going to happen in, you know, any path that we're in, no matter what. But we've always had we've always had elders to help us. We've always had other people who've been on the path to help us. And that hasn't, we don't have that with this medicine. And so unfortunately there's a lot of facilitators who have inflated egos, who, you know, Messiah complexes and, you know, are coerced, I never can say this word, coercing, coercing Coercing women into, you know, sexual dynamics, uh, into sexual dynamics with them because they hold this power figure. yeah, there's there's so many so many stories like this, you know, uh, imprinting on people a lot. Of, I see this yeah. all the time and it breaks my heart is that, you know, people come out of this beautiful experience that is it can change your life. It's so amazing. It is the best experience. But when you come out of that experience and you see your facilitator crouching in front of you with their hands in the air, like I gave this to you and staring in their eyes, like, you know, we call this imprinting of like, I gave this to you and you should, you know, kind of bow down to me. And then people are like, thank you so much for giving me this. You healed me. And then it's the facilitator saying, you're welcome. No, 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 no. You did this. You yeah it's so icky and so yeah I get super passionate in this space about this um the 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 person who's sitting with this medicine is the one doing all the work the facilitator is there to keep the participants (laughs) safe to make sure they're facilitating getting the most to through and from the experience that the participant possibly can it is not about the facilitator and that is the biggest issue in my opinion that we're facing today dang that is such a bummer that that is happening. And I know it is happening more and more. The sexual piece is happening a bit, but to just, I've, imprinting calls, it could probably be a few different things too. It's like, one, I'm I'm the person I gave this to you. You're welcome, right? Or even like, uh, yeah. you know, it's like, are you holding space properly? Are you projecting what their experience was as they discuss it to you? Are you then like, being like, this is what you experience and this and that, as opposed to them coming to uh, their own, because everyone's going to have their own frame of reference over what happens. And so it's like, yeah, you know, it's like holding space properly and, and helping guide without being like, this is what happened to you. I've heard some, I, I've shared this story before. I had, I had heard it um, where someone had, it was with like ketamine or, or something else. And they had a mystical experience and they started to share it with the guide. And basically what the guy did was they basically discredited it and said, oh, no, that's your brain. 
tripping and this happened and like basically saying like, oh no, that experience you had is just your brain uh, on psychedelics basically and completely just like took away the whole, I was like, why would you do that to someone? Why would you do that? But uh, you could see how if somebody even had an agenda, you're in such a vulnerable state. This also speaks to why, um, you know, for individuals who are looking for facilitators or looking at centers or, you know, do your homework. And and I mean it in the sense of, you know, a variety of things like, you know, ask for other clients who worked for them. Um, But also, you know, ask them what their framework is of how they're interpreting this. Um, A few years ago, I was co-facilitating with a man who, you know, that was so problematic in all these different ways. And Victoria knows who this person is. I'm not going to get too deep into it. But the thing that was most shocking for me about this person was that um, he really came. So, you know, there's a very well-known individual who writes about 5-MeO ODMT. His name is Martin Ball. And he's very well-known um, from, from talking about this tool from a completely non-dualistic perspective, mm-hmm. right? So like working beyond this con- conceptual aspect of working in any sort of um, you know, religious, shamanic, spiritual tradition, etc. However, you know, as I spoke to every time somebody works with a psychedelic tool, regardless of whatever the tool is, the experience is divinely unique to them in that moment of what they're experiencing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so this individual kept like, you know, like somebody's experience that they were having, you know, for example, one time, you know, we had a client and the, 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 the client had a very, you know, deep experience working with 5MEO but it was related to sort of like, let's say like Hindu and, and sort of like Indian type of, um, you know, spirituality and, 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 and that expression. And he completely discounted this individual, you know, like yeah. um, experience in the medicine, what was actually really beneficial and supportive to him. Uh, it was really shocking for me. Wow. And it was like, you know, this was some years ago now before this, this actually really even kind of occurred to me. Um, you know, or it's actually like been more recently, really even in the last year, like people talking about this, but it really like, you know, it's great to ask your facilitator, Hey, you know, how do you interpret this? What is your framework for doing coaching work or support before or after? And how like, you're going to be supporting me and my interpretation of this. Do you, you, do you kind of integrate working in a psychological framework as well as a spiritual framework or just having it be my framework and you're just holding space for me to share what my, you know, et cetera. Yes. And I love that there's, I love that there's options probably because the thing is some people might look, if you, if you are somebody who's very intuitive and you have also medicine to share as a healer, you can, if you're, if you know that they're like, I'm, I'm would love to share and also your perspective. Beautiful. There's a lot of people that have beautiful experience, like perspectives and new ways. I love to get a new way. Like, Oh, I never thought of that. But like, I love the fact of just like asking what is your process here? You know, instead of like, I think part of the work is not just handing it over and somebody tell me what I experienced. You're like, well, I wasn't in it one. So I will never be able to exactly tell you. I can, I can tell you what I'm think I'm hearing from you. But I think that's such good advice to just be like, yeah, how do you hold space? And also being in touch with yourself and being like, well, what do I need? What am I really looking for here? Do I do I really need someone who can mm-hmm. like, um, if I'm getting down about some experience, do I need someone to actually show me maybe the light of maybe a perspective, like a good version of what may have came of this? Like, you know, so I yeah. love that. I think yes. it's something just to say, share one more thing. I think it's really, and it's something for me, you know, working with really like people from the jungle in the Amazon yeah. whose complete psycho spiritual framework is fundamentally very different 
than how I was raised or the society we live in here in the United States. And it was actually really like, you know, years of working with them, work, you know, drinking a lot of medicine, spending a lot of time in, in Colombia and Peru. It was really difficult for me to, to really be integrating my experiences because it was just completely from that framework and from really like a, a curandero or a taita being like, this is what your framework, you know, this is what your experience was, which is beautiful. And I love all of that information. I love the interpretation the cultures have. And it was funny because I had a prayer where I was like, I would really love to meet a traditional person that also has the awareness of like perspective and and, and Northern sort of psychology. Yeah. And I, I met this man and it was like this prayer I had. And I told a few people and I met actually a man who, who lives in Teposlan. His name's Alberto Yarlecki who is a traditional curandero and is like multiple advanced degrees in transpersonal psychology. And him and I work together as well. And I swear to you, it was like, once I met this person and also like see, it was like this integration of, of, you know, it's like when we talk about psychedelics, it's like we're, we're using them to become more integrated in a multidimensional way. And so how we are framing these things and our interpretation of them, especially when it becomes a little imbalanced, yeah. Because we can get a little imbalanced from our psychedelic experiences. Totally. That's, a, you know, that's real. Yeah. And so it's like when we're starting to get too deep into whatever the thing is that feels like it's a little bit unbalanced, mm-hmm. that's when we, it's important for us to invite in other perspectives and other types of frameworks to be able to, um, to integrate into that experience. Yeah. And that really is the most healthy way from my perspective and in really using these totally. tools, you know, and, totally. and walking with them in life. Why don't we, uh, I love, I love, this is all, I love the way that like all the questions have flown because now I would love to talk about the retreat that you two are throwing. Now that we've heard your perspective and the way that you sit with it, like what a (laughs) perfect opportunity now to speak about what, what's this special retreat that you're creating for women this summer? Go Victoria. Do it. Cool, cool. I really loved how you said throwing. It's like we're throwing a party. <laughs> did I say throwing? But it yeah. is. Yeah, you did. You are throwing. You're throwing, throwing. A, you're throwing a spiritual, awesome experience. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. So the the retreat that we're throwing, it is going to be like a party. It's going to be that a celebration, so and we're. <laughs> We're so excited about it. You know, it's happening right here in Tepazlan, Mexico. If you, if anybody knows who, what Tepazlan is, it is this incredible town, completely bold all the way around with these majestic spiritual mountains. You know, a lot of, a lot of spiritual stuff happening here, a lot of spiritual retreats. There's a lot of lore and mysticism. I'd love to get into it if we had more time, but it is a beautiful space to come and do this work. Uh, I, re- I honestly really feel like there's a big energetic portal here and I really love being able to tap into this tool, this 5-MeO-DM tool that is so big in a space that actually is a portal. And so what we're doing is we are cultivating this container in this space on June 13th to 19th. We're calling it the Strawberry Full Moon Gathering. And it is for women. It is for all female identifying beings, non-binary people who are comfortable in a women-led space, you know, trans people, queer people, everyone's invited to the party we're throwing. (laughs) And, you know, we're going to be working with 5MEO DMT multiple times, uh, two different ceremonies. And, you know, the ceremonies are really going to be centered around us tapping into our divine nature, tapping into our divine feminine, tapping into what it feels like to be in a space of women, sisters, allowing ourselves to be seen and held by other women and vice versa, allowing ourselves to hold other women. And while this powerful work is happening, everything that we've kind of put around the retreat is also focused on the feminine work. So it's all kind of playing off one another. We have this 
this beautiful traditional Temescal, uh, also known as a sweat lodge, just focused around the feminine, focused around, you know, tapping into the womb space and, you know, the womb of the mother. We've got feminine embodiment workshops that are happening, multiple of them. Uh, Colette and I are going to be sharing some of them, but we're also bringing in other women from the community to share their skills and their understandings. We're going to be, you know, really tapping into different aspects from, you know, understanding our, our role as women, understanding our feminine power, understanding the moon and how it's connected to our cycles, yoni steaming, tapping into our voices, tapping into our bodies and dancing. And it's going to be a beautiful cacao full moon ceremony. There's so much stuff, you guys. It's so jam-packed. Like, <laughs> so jam-packed. So jam-packed. It sounds I'll, amazing, I'll pass, though. Yeah, I'll pass it off to you, Colette. <laughs> no, I, I have to just say, I mean, it's this has been so amazing working with Victoria in, in uh, this past year in a lot of ways and, and to just see... Um, her passion and in, in, in organizing this retreat and inviting me in um, as, a, as a co-organizer and a co-facilitator. Co and really, it's been a prayer of mine for a long time to, you know, and I, the thing is, is that for many years, I, I've really been working with men. And I love working with men. I love working with my, my beautiful, you know, my beautiful brothers who are medicine carriers. Um, however, there is something so important right now in light of really like everything going on on the planet, mm -hmm. everything going on right now in the psychedelic community um everything going on and just really i you know from my perspective just my story in, in working with father mio and and insights that i've received around um you know my work as as a as a woman identified person my path of healing that i'm so excited about being um being part of this retreat and and like the space there is absolutely gorgeous i mean really i've traveled all over the world and zeppelstein is really one of my most favorite places to be in it is wow. a very unique space it's very just safe um and just like bright and shiny literally and metaphorically like it is like it, it, in the center that um that joelle and victoria have created there is in dedication to this tool and really working with this tool in quite honestly the best way i've seen anyone work with it on um an actual like level of of how they're doing it how they're doing the integration work um how they also to build the integration work into the retreat which really i don't know of any other centers that do this yeah. where it's like just by you coming you have the accessibility to have a continuation of your process for weeks afterwards and how important that is um and so, yeah, it's like, and I was just only with Victoria. I was like, I don't think I've ever like been a part of and or seen a retreat that is like as full and as juicy of the different offerings that we're really diving into, the, you know, like really the shamanic and the scientific aspects of this tool, mm -hmm. which is exactly how I love to work. Yeah. And I'm so excited. We're, we're about half, we're half full right now for the retreat. And it's a small and intimate retreat because this is not a big retreat tool. Yeah. This is something that commands a lot of attention and a lot of focus and a yeah. very well-supported container. Yeah. And, you know, and so for me, like just dotting, dotting the I's, crossing the T's on what I love to see about, especially working with this tool and a lot of years working with it um, and knowing what is needed. I'm so, so excited about offering this retreat for, it, for all our beautiful sisters that are coming. Wow. It sounds amazing. Talk about 
the rise of the divine feminine. Just the spirit of the divine is so thrilled by this event. I'm already excited for every soul that's there. I was like, pass it on, okay? Push, can you put like, upload whatever you guys experience like into the collective, please? <laughs> so you can just like pull that down and be like, what was that like? Did you help the moon? Cause I hope so. <laughs> um, all right, my last question, Victoria, for you is, so you have created, I wanna get the exact, you have created the world's first 5-MEO DMT center and you're launching five, which is the world's first centralized education resource for 5-MEO DMT. Can you just talk to us a little bit more about what are these resources and how can people access them? Yeah, yeah. First, I can just speak to Tandava, which is the center that's here in Tepos mm -hmm. Land. And just like Colette was speaking to, you know, we focus around 5-MEO DMT and the safe and effective use of it. We really feel it is important for people coming to this medicine, you know, really stepping out of their comfort zone to work with the most confrontational medicine, I think possible, you know, we're, this is a death and rebirth process, we need to meet them there with the same eagerness that they're coming with. And so we want to give them the best experience possible, meaning this isn't just a peak experience that's going to fade away like a dream. Yeah. Instead, it's an experience that's going to stick and it's going to allow transformation in their life. And so, you know, the container is very full. We have preparation starting two weeks before and there's integration, you know, for a month afterwards, a, a, you know, a call every single week. So people are having that, that support system and you know, our focus is on, it's called a, a private group hybrid. And so we don't take any more than five people at once. So all medicine sessions are private, neurofeedback sessions are private, integration sessions are private. But then we still have that group dynamic where people are getting to heal and work through things together. So there are, you know, group integration sessions, yoga, breath work, meditation, you know, going out into the markets and things like that. Cool. And so, yeah, we, we love it. It's been really powerful. And we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of beautiful transformation from it. Yeah, yeah and and then the uh, the five platforms. So five stands for five MEO DMT information and vital education. And like you said, it's the world's for, first centralized resource hub on five MEO DMT. And you know the whole point of this is to promote harm reduction on five MEO DMT in the space. I know we've already kind of covered some of the thing that, things that are happening, but you know there's there's a lot more uh, in the background that's happening. And so. We really brought together the whole community, you know, people who understand this medicine, who've been doing it for a long time. We brought together, you know, therapists, neuroscientists, integration specialists, you name it, and really brought all of the wisdom into one space. So, you know, when people are coming to learn about this medicine, whether it is a first time seeker of this medicine to you know, a facilitator who's just stepped into the role, somebody who wants to step into the role or yeah, anybody really who's interested in the medicine, they can find everything in one space, good and bad, because cool. that's also another thing of, you know, there's challenging experiences out there. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about them. So it's really important to see what are the benefits? What are the risks? What should I look for? You know, when I'm going to work with this medicine, what are some red flags? And there's just, there's so much to learn. And yeah, I'm excited. So this is going to be rolling out sometime in May, okay. coming up very soon. And we'll, uh, we'll probably link it in the show notes somewhere. Yeah, no, that's perfect because this will be, this will come out after that point. So like it should be launched by that point. Hopefully, you know, I know how launches go. I always like, this is the date and then <laughs> right. things happen, but it, hopefully it is. And then I'll make sure to, to link everything so that people who are maybe interested in sitting with the medicine have a place that they can go and like actually do their homework. Like both of you have said how important that is. 
And to not get scared, to get too scared, feel it in your heart. Does this feel right? Ask yourself the question. Like, you know, like at the end of the day, it's like good harm reduction is good. And then it's like, do I need it? You know, it's easy to just be like, oh, okay, never mind. You know, like that's where that intuitive pull is like, do I go in to the darkness? Because that's, you know, like the unknown. So much beauty could wait on the other side like it did for you too. So what a fun conversation. I'm sorry about like there's some noise and things, but like this conversation was so, so inspiring. Both of your stories individually and then what you're trying to create. I hope everyone is as inspired as I was listening to you. So thank you. Thanks for throwing us the party, Kat. <laughs> this is a podcast party. We really did it. So <laughs> thank you both so much. I'll link all of your social information, all the resources about where people can find you, the retreats, everything. I'll make sure. I know you guys are half full. So uh, hopefully, well, I'll, I'll check back with you too before this comes out and be like, are, is there any spots open yet? Or are we just like teasing everyone? Whatever. There will be more because I'm sure it'll be great. So either way, oh, yeah. what a blessing, you guys. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Kat, so much. Thank you. And for everyone, as always, trip on this.